Hello, welcome back to another episode of Recommendations for My Otaku Spouse or Otofususume. I'm Wes. Gen Smash! Perfect. Uh, let's get started then. So, today we're going to be talking about the Incredible Hulk, Planet Hulk. Ooh, as well as... As well as Thor as Ragnarok. As well as Thor Ragnarok, yes. Uh... And just kind of how the two of them go together, and kind of just Western comics and the state of affairs as a whole. Or at least that's the plan. That's the plan. <laughs> that's Can the we plan. stick to a plan? Uh, excellent question, Wes. How many times have we gotten lost? A lot. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so this kind of came around because when Jen and I went to see Avengers Endgame at the beginning of April, before that, we decided to catch up on some of the stage three Marvel movies as a refresher, one of which was Thor Ragnarok. Which is amazing. Thor Ragnarok is pretty darn good, yes. Um, But when the trailer for that first came out, to me and to a lot of other comic fans, the big scene in the trailer was, of course, a Coliseum scene, and we're all going, oh my goodness, it's Planet Hulk in a Thor movie. But that only works if you've read the comics. Whereas on on the flip side, Jen, who reads quite a bit of comics... You don't really read the main Marvel DC comics. No, I do not. I, uh, besides Hawkeye. Besides Hawkeye. And a couple of one-offs here and there, like Hush with DC. Uh, yeah, I don't really read much Marvel or DC. Yeah, you wouldn't consider yourself a fanatic or, I guess, fanatic. Fanat- fanatic. Oh, I can't talk. <laughs> I'm going to cut this anyway now. <laughs> no, 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 don't cut it. Um so when we see things like when we saw the trailer for Far From Home and I looked at Mysterio and, oh, I know who that is, you're coming at it from a different perspective. Yes. I mean, I recognized him because I recognized Spider-Man characters, but I didn't know exactly who he was or what he did. And then you were like, oh, he's he does this. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that. You're like, whoops, spoilers. <laughs> Yeah, so there are going to be some spoilers in this episode, mainly, of course, regarding Planet Hulk and Thor Ragnarok. We'll try to avoid them and other things for the most part. Yeah, so if you haven't read Planet Hulk and you're interested in reading it, I suggest you go listen to it before I ruin the entire story for you. Before we ruin the entire story for you. Go read it before we ruin it. Yes. Wait, did I say watch? Yeah, you said listen. Did I say listen? There is actually an f- animated film version of Planet I thought you were Hulk. about to say like an audio book. <laughs> yeah, probably not. But there is an animated film version that came out, I believe somewhere around when Guardians of the Galaxy 1 first came out, that people could go watch. Yeah, so if you want to go watch the animated movie, read the comic, go do that, then come back, listen to this. Yes. Oh, and if you haven't seen Thor Ragnarok, what's wrong with you? Go watch it. Or you could just stick around and listen to us babble. That works too. Nice. So you read Planet Hulk. I read Planet Hulk. What is your 30-second elevator pitch about just basic plot? Basic plot? Ah, okay. So Hulk, uh, It's the story starts with Hulk in a spaceship and his friends, the well, quote-unquote friends, the Avengers, going, hey, thanks for saving the planet, but we're not bringing you back to Earth. We're actually going to send you to a lovely, nice green planet where you can be free. Bye-bye. So they send Hulk to a farm up north. They send him to a farm. Yes. Okay. Actually, they basically do just send him to a farm, only he kind of rages in the ship, which causes navigation to go whack, and he ends up going through the uh, giant portal, which is in Thor Ragnarok, and lands on, 
I was about to say Sparta. Sakar. <laughs> Sakar. <laughs> so he goes through the devil's anus. Uh, I don't think they call it that in the comic. They just call call it Ragnarok. It made me laugh. Yeah. (laughs) So he ends up on this planet and very similar to Thor Ragnarok, if you've seen it, um, when Thor gets off the ship, only this time it's Hulk, he gets off the ship and the locals are like trying to kidnap, well, take him somewhere and the authority comes along and says, no, that's ours. Like, bugger off, you little insects. Literally. And um, they take Hulk and they put him in the Colosseum um, where he's 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 clearly not happy. He's pissed off. He was betrayed by his friends. He's dumped on an alien planet. And so he does what Hulk does best. And Hulk smashes everything, um, including the emperor of the entire planet, who is supposed to be like a living god. So the fact that he was cut in front of an arena full of people. He's kind of brought shame upon him and he decides to seek revenge by killing the Hulk. But if he kills the Hulk himself, then the Hulk will forever be immortalized as a hero because he was killed by the God Emperor. So he needs to find other ways to kill off the Hulk and thus things ensue. I would say the Hulk is similar to the Lion King, where the Lion King is based on Hamlet. And Planet Hulk is based on the tale of Moses taking the, leading the Jews out of Egypt. You know, except for instead of plagues, it's just Hulk smash. Well, instead of plagues, it's uh, spikes, zombie-like parasite creatures. So actually, that's more Half Life. That's true. So it's like Moses crossed with Half Life, crossed with Gladiator, crossed with Gladiator, with okay. the Hulk. So there's our basic premise. Yes. Hulk land, Hulk smash, Hulk fight, evil red man. And Hulk inadv- accidentally frees the entire slave population of the planet and revolts against the god emperor. You know, it happens. Yeah, he do- he's not exactly happy about it. He doesn't really want to For you, it was revolt. For Hulk, it was a Tuesday. <laughs> so what, what were the positives that you took away from the story? What did you like about the book or its presentation or its story or any of that? I liked how the Hulk, um, because it basically is the Hulk story. Banner isn't really in it. There's this great scene, though. It's like a dream sequence where the Hulk is kind of battling Banner and he's kind of dealing with his internal demons and his um, anger against being betrayed by his friends and Banner's like yay I'm finally beat you because I always win because I'm better than you because I'm not a monster but the Hulk like you see throughout this comic that the Hulk isn't a monster he just thinks he is because everybody tells him he is even Banner and that's why he hates Banner as I mean that's kind of fair enough yeah so I, I like that internal struggle that they have throughout the entire story um it was uh I know, I think that was probably the extent of what I like in this comic. That's fair. I mean, and that's that can be a good takeaway. So for you reading a Hulk story, it's less the Hulk smash and more the philosophical debate, to borrow the phrase from Hunchback of Notre Dame. <laughs> what makes a monster or what makes a man? Yeah. Sing the bells, 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 the bells, bells, bells of Notre Dame. There was less bells in this book, but yes. Yes. I don't think there were any bells anyway. Yes. <laughs> Um, I did, I did enjoy parts of it, but it was very, it was a very typical story of tyrannical leader 
just doesn't really care about anyone under him murdering everyone and kind of acting in a very selfish way and then comes up against the Hulk, which can't be killed. And I don't know, I felt the villain was very tropey in that sense. He was a very stereotypical villain. Well, um, they definitely don't spend a lot of time fleshing him out. No. They just they need a villain for the Hulk to fight against. Yes, and, and that, that's what he does. And he's willing to play that role. Oh, yeah. Because he's made for that role. Yes. Yeah. So I guess that kind of leads us into what were your negative takeaways from the book? Um, I, I don't know. I've, okay. So I felt the art was a little busy for me. Okay. Um, like it wasn't like, I think the art's gorgeous, but it's very typical DC Marvel style of artwork, which just to me is sometimes a little busy. There's just a lot of thick line art and a lot of rough, like, it's not in, it's kind of, I don't know how to describe it. Like, I think maybe it's because I'm so used to reading manga a lot that has a very clear picture unless it's very um, stylized. So DC does something now, or they did, and I don't know if they're still doing it, where they would release essentially greatest hits of certain characters in black and white. They do it with just the li- um, the line work, but without any of the color work. Do you think you'd prefer that? I don't know. You'd have to give it a go. Okay. Oh, maybe it is just as I said. I'm so used to to manga. It was something different that I haven't had in a little in a little while because I haven't read a Western comic since we moved to Japan. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and I'd also say, like, speaking of art, because this kind of feeds into the artwork, but also the story is the fact that this story only has two female characters they don't really talk to each other they're both very sexualized and kind of one-dimensional actually i I think most of the characters in this were also one-dimensional they're drawing on a page they're two-dimensional thank you (laughs) it's it is Definitely, they could spend more time on backstory well, I and less on smashing. Backstory, because um, each chapter is only 20 pages long, which is the thing that Western comics have, is that they're very limited with what they can tell in a single floppy issue. And so like there, there is backstory for pretty much every central character who hangs around Hulk, but there's not really much time to develop on their characters throughout the story, except for probably one character besides the Hulk who actually develops, so we can talk about him later. And one of one of the female characters is um, Kyra, who is the, the Red King's, the Emperor's uh, lieutenant, and she is very much of a... She's almost, she, she's almost as powerful as the Hulk. Like, she can... She holds one of his punches at one point, and through their fighting, somehow they develop... Well, she develops feelings for him, and which is just it just it felt to me like it was very much out of the blue and very much a case of because she's a woman and he's the hulk and he's the hero she needs to fall in love with him the hulk's not really usually a romance interest though no which they kind of touch upon in his whole dream sequence where he's remembering the loss of uh she hulk that wasn't she hulk but that wasn't she hulk no she was green (laughs) Wow, all green people are the same to you? Maybe. 
<laughs> okay, okay. We're learning a lot about Jen. I don't. I told you. I this is actually the first Hulk comic I've read. You probably should have started with Hulk Gray then, but that's okay. <laughs> and I and I say that now because of what we talked about, where Hulk Gray is going to focus more on oh the the emotional the struggle as opposed to just yeah. smashing. So getting back to my original point is that she for some reason falls in love with him as it was kind of an offhanded side narration by her, and then in the next chapter, the Hulk saves her, and one of the other characters goes, "Oh, he won't be able to top that on the next date," and it's like, wait. They're dating now, but they're kind of in the middle of a revolution. Wait, what? And then at the end of the story, she goes from... She does like a complete 180 from incredibly powerful lieutenant to kind of useless, motherly, caring character. And then, yeah. Like, in a, in a way, I think that's kind of good for the Hulk because at the end, she... She and him marry, and she becomes his queen, and she's pregnant, and he kind of realizes, like, he, he starts to learn to let go of his hate, until the other part that I don't like about this comic at all. There's more to life than smashing. Well, yes, like, smashing wow. his wife. <laughs> <laughs> another part, you are saying. Yeah, another, well, I love stories that have a good conclusion whether it's happy or just satisfying but this one didn't have either and i have to ask why why won't they let heroes be happy in marvel in dc because they need to continue the story i know i know why but i why it's it's one of the things that kind of put me has put me off dc and marvel for so long ditto <clears throat> No, it's def I think it really comes down to that it's easier to continually tell the same story. Yeah. And you need your characters to be in the same place at the beginning of each story. So they keep hitting reset buttons. It's so annoying. And I think that's also what I don't like about the fact that the female characters are very two dimensional one dimensional. Damn it, Wes. <laughs> Victory is mine. One dimensional and the fact that the Hulk kind of I love his emotional struggle, but then so at the end of the story, he's he saved the planet, they've killed the Emperor, him and his queen are going to have a baby, and everything's fine, and then his ship randomly explodes and causes a worse than nuclear apocalypse that wipes out literally everyone on the planet except for Hulk. No, no, other people survive. Okay, a few other people survive who were off-planet, um, but everybody who's on the planet gets killed. Like, all of the people that you have... Well, almost all the people that you have built an emotional connection with up to that point, and that the Hulk is finally being treated not as a monster, but as a savior and as a real, not human being, but as a real living being. And they kill them all because, as you said, they just need to create a reset button and get him angry again. And it's like, why? Don't just let him be happy. And it's interesting because, you know, we... we... We're saying we're going to tie this back to Thor Ragnarok, which I will in a moment. But when you look at the Hulk character in Endgame, he's not big, angry Hulk. No, I like that. And it worked well. Yeah. Are If they make another Hulk standalone, are they going to have to undo what was done in Endgame so they can have angry Hulk? Or are they going to go with Banner Hulk? What's going to happen there? Good question. Well, I mean, Banner Hulk was good in some ways, but also not good. Like, you always lose something whenever you do changes like that. But I like that in the MCU, things change and when they change they change permanently but you don't get that in the comics which is a shame 
It is a shame. So mentioning his queen, in Thor Ragnarok, she's kind of changed, replaced with Valkyrie. Valkyrie mm. plays a lot of the same roles as henchmen of the master yes. who then kind of turns to work with the Hulk. Well, in this case, turns to work with Thor, builds a grudging respect, although not the romance. Yeah, which and I'm really grateful they didn't throw in the romance because it's such it's lazy writing. That's what it is. Yeah. It's a quick way to give the character someone to heal about. Yeah, without but without build it. Yeah, without giving any like actual connection. Yeah. The only really other characters from Planet Hulk that made it into Thor Ragnarok, beyond, of course, Hulk and Kyra, who turns into Valkyrie. No, because Val- Valkyrie's a character anyway, and she comes from the Valkyrie's Thor Valkyrie's a character series. anyway, yes, but the Valkyrie in the movies is quite a bit different from the Valkyrie in the comics. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say Valkyrie's the equivalent to Ky- Kyra. I think she plays a lot of the similar roles. Similar roles, but I wouldn't say they're equivalent as opposed to... I'm guessing you're going to say Meek and Korg. Meek and Korg. Who are, who are literally taken from Planet Hulk and put into Thor Ragnarok. Yes, they are fellow slaves in the Colosseum gladiatorial fights, hoping for their freedom if they can win enough. Mm, yeah. And they're direct copies, aren't they? Mm, no. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I knew you knew that. <laughs> Maybe. Are you saying that I'm leading this conversation in ways that I'm hoping it will go? Yes, yes, I am. Oh, fair enough. That's how they roll. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they're quite a bit different from how they are in Planet Hulk. Yeah, I, Meek and Korg are my least favorite characters in Thor Ragnarok. They're just so annoying. Well, Korg is. Meek doesn't do anything. But and uh, I feel bad because I know that, that Korg is played by the director, but he's really annoying. <laughs> yeah, it's... It's a problem I've had with some of the Marvel movies where they can sometimes be a little too quick to try to toss a joke into a situation. Yeah. And Thor Ragnarok was more tongue-in-cheek, which is just bleeds through the theme in every way. I mean, from the start when uh, what is, uh, Thor is stuck in the chain, spinning around. He's yeah. like, oh, hold on a minute, hold on a minute. Okay, I'm back. So you do get some of that. And I think that you have to pick your fights about where it goes. But... Uh, I preferred Korg and Meek to, uh, what was his name, Carl Urban's character, the guy who takes over for Heimdall with the two AK-47s. Oh, yeah. Or M-16s or whatever they were. Yeah, he was, yeah. It was a shame because he seemed like he could have been a good character and they just turned him into a bit of a slapstick. Yeah, I liked his, it's stupid because I like his character arc that he goes through from cowardice to hero. I just wish they didn't make him an idiot. yeah. And for Korg and Meek, because I'd read Planet Hulk before going in, when I saw them, I'm like, oh, there they are. And then the characters were just to- totally different. Well, they're like, totally different. They've got the same names, and one's a bug and one's a rock. But that's about it. That's about it. So, so I was saying that besides Hulk, there's only one other character that has character development in in Planet Hulk, and that's Meek. Yeah, Meek is the second main character besides the Hulk. He, um. He starts off in the Colosseum with the Hulk, and the Hulk accidentally saves his life, and then keeps accidentally saving his life. And him and Korg and a couple of others uh, kind of form the main uh, rebellion group, or accidental rebellion group. And he sort of goes through this very emotional journey where he's a coward, and then he learns how to fight and defend himself, and he finds, you know, his his brothers that he thought were dead. 
and he goes through a sort of a metamorphosis, so both physical and mental development into this strong warrior who's very much a kill all pinkies because what well, pinkies they is kind of the slang for the the humanoid creatures that take over their planet that Hulk accidentally lands on and just there's this very like he is so important and then in the movie he's a little voiceless insect that accidentally gets killed at the end oh wait no wait he's not actually dead is he I think he is no he's not because he's he's back in Endgame is he yeah oh yeah he shows up riding on his shoulder or something yeah I don't know. Yeah, he's got knives for arms or something, though. And that that's it. Yay. Yay. And then, yeah, Korg was just a comic relief. Yeah. When he's a very serious priest. Well, no, he's not a priest. He's very religious. Yeah. For his rock religion. For his rock religion. Yeah. Having now read Planet Hulk, would you have wanted to have read it before seeing Thor Ragnarok? No. Yes? No. No, I don't, I don't know. Do you think reading it has added anything to the Thor Ragnarok experience? Yeah, it's made me dislike Korg and Meek more. Okay. <laughs> so... But I, I but I like Thor Ragnarok because it has a happy ending as opposed to Planet Hulk, which really doesn't. It kind of has a happy ending. Oh, yeah, that's true. Asgard's destroyed in front of them. Yeah. He loses his eye. That's actually part of yeah. the, that's one of the major down points of Quark for me as you watch Asgard get destroyed and then he immediately is like, whoops. And he makes some stupid joke about it. Yeah. That annoyed me. You got to let your emotional punches have impact before you immediately soften the blow. Yeah. Um. So do you think then that reading Planet Hulk has taken something away from Thor Ragnarok? Because you just said it made you dislike two characters more, but they weren't really major characters. <laughs> Well, not really, because I mean, Planet Hulk, like Thor, Thor Ragnarok is clearly takes elements from Planet Hulk, but it's not Planet Hulk. Okay. It it is Planet Hulk, but it's not, and vice versa. Well, not even vice versa, because Planet Hulk came first. Um, they're two very different stories. Yes. And if you, I I would say give Planet Hulk a read, even though I just ruined the whole thing. If you haven't already, because it does. I know it just tackles a very similar story, but in an incredibly different way. Like in Thor Ragnarok, the, um, what's his name? Dave Goldblum's character. Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum. Oh my God. Yeah, Jeff Goldblum. Dave. So Dave's character. <laughs> I am I am great with names. Dave plays Drax in Guardians of the Galaxy. Wait, his name's Dave? Dave Batista, yeah. Oh, okay. I am amazing with names. Clearly. So, <laughs> so like, obviously that character is very different. He's not a tyrannical overlord who murders everybody. Well, he is, but not in the same way. Well, the Sakaar in Planet Hulk is very different from the Sakaar in Thor Ragnarok. Yes. Like, everything about it, barring the Colosseum fight. Yes. Actually, I guess it's only really the similar thing is that the Colosseum fight... Oh well, actually no. Even that's very different. You just—they're they're just different stories. You got to read it for yourselves if you—if you're interested in a new take on similar themes. But even the themes are completely different. Like there are so many parallels between the two, but they're so drastically different. True. Would you say? I mean, it's pretty clear that a lot of people who read the Marvel comics go to see the Marvel movies. True, and people who don't read the comics go to see go the Marvel see the Marvel movies. movies. Do, does watching the Marvel movies make you want to go read more of the comics? 
Eh, not really. No. And, and I think that's a big problem that Marvel has right now. Yeah. And that they clearly, need they want to sell the comics. They it, it almost feels like they don't because they're doing so badly with it. <laughs> yeah. But it's clear that the characters are still popular. Yeah, but I think the the problem most people have, it's probably the same problem I've had with DC and Marvel all of these years, is I have no fucking clue where to start. I would, that is the major problem, I think. Um, you were mentioning both like Western indie comics and Eastern comics earlier. And if someone goes to see Hellboy, which just came out and got panned, or Scott Pilgrim, which came out a decade ago or whatever, and has Captain America in it and didn't get panned. Actually, that's a great, that's a great point. Scott Pilgrim made me want to go read the comics. And I bought all six because of the movie. And it's got an easy starting point. And it's got an easy... I think that's it. It's because it's got an easy starting point. Start, finish, done. Six copy, six comics. But yeah, um, I think, again, with Hellboy, I went off and read one of the comics because there's not... It's not as bogged down. Because there's not decades upon decades upon decades of lore. Exactly. So do you think there's a way that Marvel can somehow bridge that gap or do something to try to get the moviegoers to read their comics or do you think marvel comics are just going to slowly atrophy leaving just their multiple billion dollar movie empire i mean it's such it's difficult because they have their as the same with dc they have their sort of formula and they think this works and so they keep going with it i mean the, the comics that sell the most in the west are comics western comics aimed at kids and manga and then DC and Marvel actually falls below those every single time, like every month, um, which is a shame because I think if like, it's like you said, if they had just easy jumping on points for new people, if they had standalone stories or even like stories not about all the main guys or stories that when something happens, then that's going to happen in all of the following stories. None of this retcon if Superman is dead, then leave him dead and have somebody else fill his shoes. Like, time... Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> so you're telling me that when Superman dies, we can't replace him with Black Superman, Young Superman, Cyborg Superman, and then have them all fight until regular Superman comes back with a mullet to take his place as Superman? Uh, n No, because if he's dead, leave him dead. And why do they have to fight? They're good guys. Uh, Cyborg Superman wasn't. He was okay, but that actually happened in the comics. I guess from the way he was talking about yeah. it. Yeah, um, yeah. Comic characters don't stay dead, which I think is no. a problem because they're so interested in retelling the same stories that they can never tell something new. Yes, which is just a shame because I'm I'm pretty sure there are so many creators out there who want to tell a good story and who want to tell a, a con like contained story, but you know, limited. As I said, only twenty pages. Uh, uh, floppy compared to the probably like 30 plus pages for a manga and manga always have like a start to finish they never have all of these ridiculous crossovers i think that's another thing is there are so many crossovers that even like at the start of planet hulk it was like st at the it started at the end of another story that i hadn't read i could kind of get the gist of it but evidently i needed to read that too in order to get more of the emotional impact from the planet hulk but it doesn't, like, I have no idea what that comic is or how to get into it or where to buy it or 
if it's any good. Like there's just it's just too much too much going on. It is, yeah, and there's always too much going on. And crossovers are, in my opinion, the worst part of Western comics. Nothing gets me out of reading a comic quicker than a giant multi-title crossover. And if it's something small, like when um, you know one of the big Spider-Man events happens and they take Spectacular Spider-Man and Amazing Spider-Man and Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, which is currently running and is amazing, and they mix them all together for a spider event and then spin the books back off, or if you take Green Lantern and Green Lantern Core and mix them together and then spin them back off, that works. But when you take every title you're running and throw it into one giant super crossover event that no one can make heads or tail of, it's always garbage. Which I actually think holds true for the movies as well. I think the weakest movies in the MCU were easily Age of Ultron and Civil War. Yeah. So I mean, but then again, um, Infinity War, I think, was a major crossover, but they managed to pace it a lot better than they did with Age of Ultron. Well, they took two movies for it. And I think it also kind of worked as, as you were saying, an ending. Mm, Yeah. In comic books, a giant crossover is never an ending. It's just another stop. Oh, that's true. And again, they can never, like, as I said, they, they, like, the superheroes can never be happy. Conclusions can never be made. People can never stay dead unless they're women. But that's a whole other kettle of fish. No, most of them come back too. Oh, they do? Okay. Well, there used to be a saying, like, the only people in comics who stay dead are Uncle Ben and I've forgotten his name. Spider-Man's blonde girlfriend who he snapped her neck. I think Emma Stone. <laughs> yeah, but she came back. <laughs> okay. Gw- Gwen Stacy. Gwen Stacy. Gwen Stacy. Yeah, because you've got Spider-Gwen. Yeah. She came back. She's Spider-Gwen. She's Gwenpool. She's, who knows? I don't even care anymore. I think, I didn't even think Uncle Ben came back at some point. No. As a rice. Uh, uh, no, I think he actually bad. did come back, though. But it's, yeah, so do you regret reading Planet Hulk? I, no. When I think about the things that we've watched that I do regret watching, compared to that, no, I don't regret reading Planet Hulk. Having read Planet Hulk and watched Thor Ragnarok, and I know you've read um, Infinity War. Mm-hmm which you read actually quite a bit before the movie Infinity. Oh, yeah. like That's actually one that one of the few things that you recommended to me that I actually read. Um, before we started this before podcast. Before we started this podcast. Yay! Yay. Uh, and and that, that one stayed a bit. And... Hush was good. Um, but that one was, wasn't based on a movie. No, but, but it was a one, it was one-off. Would you be interested in reading more comics based on the movies, or would you be interested in finding ones that are more one-offs? I think more one-offs. Well, like um, I like I said, I read Hawkeye, and I think I like Hawkeye because it's not tied in with everything else. At least, as far as I'm aware, it's not tied in with everything else. Although now they've announced the movie. Wait, is it going to be a movie TV or a TV show. show? That's it. They've announced the TV show, which, from the looks of the design, is going to be based on the comics. Okay, so the Marvel movies aren't driving you to read the comics. No, and that's a failure on Marvel's part, I guess. Yeah, but they're also kind of rolling in it, like. Endgame just made more money than Avatar, so... It's the highest gross movie of all time, yeah. Yeah, I don't think... I mean, it's not that gross. Grossing, (laughs) dear. (laughs) So it's not like... I mean, obviously, the comics are lacking in comparison, but it's not like they're strapped for cash. Uh, Well, it's not like Disney's strapped for cash, because Disney's the one who owns them all now. 
true. And Disney should put more money into the comics. Yeah, it's throwing good money after the bad at this point. <laughs> Unless the comics can show a willingness to turn around, it's not going anywhere. True. And I guess with that, that might be where we leave this episode. Wow. Way to bring it on a downer, Wes. Oh, sorry. An up Just note. like the end of the comic. An up note. Uh, Spider-Man Far From Home was great. Oh, it was so good. And everything else they announced at SDCC, I don't really care about at this point. Oh. So there we go. Wait, wait. We just said not a downaway. Oh, my bad. Anyway, thanks for listening to Recommendations <laughs> from My Otaku Spouse or Otofususume. You can find more of our episodes at com or follow us at Twitter at Creative, As well as our brotherly and sisterly uh, podcasts. Oh, that's incestual. Uh, uh, what? No. Oh, God, no. <laughs> you can find Real Japan, which talks about live action manga adaptation movies and you can find anime adaptation movies anime and manga whatever they're different Wes oh my god Blade of the Immortal never had an anime it right, had a manga enough. and they watched the movie for it fair enough anyway and you can also find Annie Bros Prime where they talk about just pretty much normally the latest anime that's going on and then random stuff and get history facts horribly wrong. Latest anime, like Evangelion, because 1995 was just last year. Well, it did just... They, they were specifically talking about the, the Netflix special that re-aired. Re-aired? Like, anyway. Just aired. It just aired. Well, yeah, so go find us on Twitter. Go find us at our website. Leave us comments with what you think. If we are totally off base with our opinions, tell us about it, and we'll probably talk about it on a further episode at some point and if you think any of your friends might enjoy an episode then share it because that would be pretty cool if people actually listen to this uh we can dream well you can't i sleep like a log you never dream <laughs> anyway anyway tune in next time where we'll be talking about something but we won't know what it is till then yay yay <laughs>